G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Life, Culture and Current Events from a Biblical Perspective, 2020 on Vision. Today we're speaking with Jacqueline Donaldson, the Deputy Mayor of Blacktown City in New South Wales. How are you doing, Jacqueline? I'm well, thank you. How are you? Very good. Now, I always love to chat to one of our elected representatives and find out a bit of their story. Uh, tell us a little about where, where you were born and raised. Okay, I was actually born in Wellingborough, Northamptonshire in the UK. I grew up most of my time in London. And then my um, parents came to Australia when I was 17. So um, my mother always said that most men in their midlife crisis bought a red car, but my dad moved us all to Australia. (laughs) Okay. And uh, what about your uh, upbringing? Did you have any uh, religious uh, foundation in in your life? No, I didn't. My mum took us to Sunday school when I was very young, so about three through to about five or six. And then my younger sister was born, and so she sort of, her her reasoning was she couldn't get us all ready for Sunday school while she had a baby. So at seven, which when I look at my grandson now is quite incredible, I made a decision to follow the Lord. And I am at this stage the only member of my family that is Christian. And tell us about your conversion story. Was it a was it a, a blinded by the light experience, or was it a gradual thing? No, it was quite amazing. I'd gone to, I'd continued to go to church from when I was sort of young, and um, but I went to a uniting church in England. I'd grown up in the Methodist church, but this was a uniting church, and it was very much a social gospel. So I don't think I actually ever heard about making Jesus the Lord of my life. It was all about you know being Jesus' hands and feet about going out and witness, and not witnessing, but going out and helping people. And so, as the Lord always does with these coincidences of his, what happened was that I went with a friend to a prayer meeting in England, and I have to tell you, it was the most boring prayer meeting I'd ever been to in my life. (laughs) There were sort of six old ladies and the two of us. And then when I came to Australia, I went to a church that was close to my house, and it just happened, as it is with God coincidences, but it was their um, annual anniversary day. And because it was their anniversary day, there was a guy there who only came to that church for their anniversary because he was living um, away from the area. And he invited me to a meeting, he and his girlfriend. And I said to them, oh, you know, yeah, okay, maybe I, you know, I'm on my own. I'd only been in Australia about five weeks. And they said, oh, it's a fountain trust, like a fountain trust meeting. Well, this was this boring prayer meeting that I'd gone to in England. So I was thinking, oh, I'm not sure that I really want to go to this, but I, I went anyway. Well, there were 50 young people in a in a lounge room, basically, in an old house, and they were just praising God, and they were worshipping God, and there was, you know, tongues and prophecies and words of knowledge. And I watched them, and I thought, I don't have this. I don't have this kind of Christianity. My Christianity was go to church on Sunday, uh, be part of the Sunday school but he wasn't really... So I I feel he was my saviour, but not my Lord. He didn't run the rest of the week. He wasn't uh, Lord in every single day. And so a couple of weeks later, they invited me to a uh, gospel businessman's breakfast. 
and I went and the sermon, you know, the speakers didn't really impact on me. But there was a red-headed singer, and I can see her as clear today, and she sang about, oh, sorry, <laughs> being on your own and how you're never alone with God. And that just impacted me more than any of the other things that had happened. And then I had, it was almost like an audible voice. It was so clear. It said, um, you know, it's not last week or next week. It's now and that I choose you. So they said to me, did I want prayer? So I went out for prayer and um, these gorgeous people, they, they prayed a salvation prayer with me. And then they said, do you want the baptism of the Holy Spirit? Well, I had no idea what that was. And I, but I figured if it was something God wanted to give me, I was, I was going to want it. So I said yes, and I was prayed for, spoke in tongues, and been walking in the Spirit ever since. What an awesome story, and it's amazing how, you know, one of those anointed songs can be yeah. one of the things that tips the scales for you and gets you across the line. Uh, must have been a powerful uh, presentation, huh? I think I, it probably wasn't that powerful, but it just really impacted on me. Yeah, yeah. You know, it was just a very simple song and very simply sung, beautifully sung. Yeah. But it really, really impacted on me. And did everyone notice the change in your life after that? Yes, they did. <laughs> um, my poor family, I shared the gospel vigorously, as you do when you're first saved. But also, too, it was about, you know, I'd had a boyfriend that wasn't a Christian and uh, just so strong in not having, you know, not being unequally yoked now. And um, so I, you know, dumped my boyfriend, as it were, but I just knew that I could not be with someone who didn't love God. And so moved on and, um, yeah, lots of changes, like reading my Bible, sharing Jesus with people, and just in those days going to a lot of Holy Spirit teaching seminars in Sydney that used to be held in the town hall and they were just amazing, just really, really grounding, um, grounding teaching on the Holy Spirit and who he is and how he moves in our lives. And I was listening last night to one of the sermons on vision, and it was about the power of the Holy Spirit in our life and how we need the Holy Spirit to make it not a burden to be a Christian. Like you hear people talking about, oh, you know, if you're a Christian, you're a wowser and things like that. But it's not. There's the most amazing freedom in being filled with the Holy Spirit and moving as he tells you to move. Well, we just were so encouraged to get your phone call recently uh, saying that you listen to Vision every day. How did you discover Vision Radio? By accident, which, which seems to be a lot for a lot of sort of your listeners sometimes. But um, I actually was looking for a radio station. I, I do listen sometimes to another Christian radio station down here, which is 103.2. But it has a lot of secular music on it, and sometimes it's, you know, just not enough, if that makes sense. Anyway, so I was looking for another radio station and just stumbled across it, and that would probably have been about three years ago. But it's brilliant because um, I, I do, I'm a lay preacher, and so listening to the sermons is brilliant because it just sometimes will, you know, you're preparing a sermon and there's something that comes on that you can link it in with or just as an encouragement. And our council meetings, they're a bit better at the moment, but they used to go to sort of 20 to 2 in the morning and you'd be driving home exhausted and something would come on, either a speaker or a song. And it was, it was just such an encouragement and really like get you home in a way because you'd be so bone weary. Now, Jacqueline, tell us a bit about how you got into politics. I actually was going out on a Wednesday night with a feeding program from a local church, not my own church, but a different one. 
And one of my students, because in my other hat I'm a teacher, one of my students said to me, Miss, you have to come to the feeding program. And so on a Wednesday night, this particular organisation called Christ Mission Possible, which I love, they um, would take out a hot meal. So they start on a Wednesday morning, they cook all day basically and prepare this amazing meal and invite people in the housing commission area. So I have to say that my ward has 54,000 people in it. That's the ward that I actually represent. And we have... 14 housing commission or public housing suburbs in my ward. So there's a lot of um, you know, borderline poverty, in a way, in the ward that I represent. And so, you know, I was going out on this Wednesday evening, going out, going out, and every time I'd go, I'd notice that the public housing areas were, had more rubbish, the lights weren't as good, and, there were, and I felt there were things that council could help with and could do something about so a friend of mine, who was a counsellor at the time, I said to him, why aren't you doing something about this? And he basically said, well, why aren't you? So I ran the next election. Um, we had no money. And uh, my daughter-in-law is from the Philippines. And so we got canvases from the Philippines because we couldn't afford core flutes. And I got all my hats and my shirts from there, which actually and then my my daughter-in-law's family got a little bit of money from that from doing the sort of dealers it was but we had no money and I was so surprised to get in and I never ever take getting in for granted I always feel like it's God so the next time I ran again and I got in with a swing towards me again and that's how it started so it started by sort of doing something totally different that was about you know, helping people and, and being part of this other church group to being a counsellor. And then in September of last year, I became the deputy mayor. And at the moment, which I think is quite funny, but it's my warped sense of humour, I'm actually the acting mayor and I'm the first female ever in the history of Blacktown City to be an acting mayor. So I'm quite quite proud of that, but I also find it quite funny. Well, it is wonderful to uh, to hear a bit of your story. And, uh, you know, my brother used to be a physio at Blacktown. I used to visit him there many years ago. So yeah. I know a little bit of the area. Well, what would you say are the biggest problems uh, that you're facing in your uh, part of Australia at the moment? Uh, I actually think the biggest p- uh, problem we're facing is the perception of who we are. Because um, Blacktown used to be very much um, working class, or public housing, and that's really changed dramatically. Um, we've be- and, and that perception means that you know businesses don't want to come and start, like come and invest in our area. We find the government doesn't want to bring um, branches of their services into our area, which would be really helpful. It would actually bring work to the people who desperately need it in our area. So. We have the problem that the people that are working are mainly working outside of the Blacktown area. They commute. And so, as, as you've probably seen on TV, those dreadful traffic snarls that we have in Sydney. So a lot of that is caused by not having work in the immediate area. And so people have to travel in to Parramatta or to the city. And that, that perception that there's no work here can actually sort of really stop the economy of the um, city. Now, having said that, our GDP is larger than 60 countries in the world. And we have 330,000 people of 184 nations and 150 something, I can't remember the exact figure, languages. 
So we're an amazing, diverse city, absolutely amazing. But when you hear people talk about Western Sydney, they'll talk about Parramatta and Penrith, and it's like we're the gap in the middle. And that really frustrates me. And one of the things I'm really sort of pushing at the moment is that we get a rebranding and that we really try and lift the name of Blacktown from what it used to be to what it is now. Because because now, because we still have um, relatively cheap housing, we have lots of young working families moving into the city every year. And we're supposed to grow to close to 500,000 by 2020. So... It, it's a really, it's a good time to be here because it's quite dynamic, it's changing and I guess the biggest problem would be employment and especially employment of the young but we're really working on trying to turn that around. Now Jacqueline, we've heard a bit of your story about how you got involved in politics. I'm curious to know, did you always have a, a sense of calling and a heart for politics? <laughs> Not always, no. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, um I had been part of a political party for close to 20 years and recently became an independent over, uh, over a very uh, a moral stand that I had to take about a candidate for the mayor. And um, it, it was very, very difficult because um, I had been involved in the party for so long and as a Christian, and I knew Christians within the party, um, but unfortunately someone was being pushed forward that would really have been detrimental to the council if, he, if that person was mayor. And so I actually resigned from the party and didn't vote for him, which, yeah, there was a, a pretty strong backlash from some members of the party, but surprisingly a lot of others thanked me <laughs> for doing what I did. But for me, politics is a way to open doors to speak for Christ, and that's what, what I see it as. I, I get to go to places I would never have gone to if I wasn't a counsellor. And I was saying to you about the Amadea Mosque, which is an Indi or Pakistani mosque that's close to where I live. And um, two Sundays ago, I got to speak to over 3,000 of these Amadea Muslims about Christ. And I sort of started in a bit of a, you know, jokey way with some interesting facts about Christmas, you know, like the the um, spider webs on Christmas trees in Poland because they believe that the spiders wove the blanket for Jesus. And so just things like that. But then got to share John 3.16 and that the greatest gift and the whole focus of Christmas is about Christ and about him being the Lord. And I even got to say about how, you know, he died and he was resurrected and is now seated on the right hand of the Father. So I was so excited about that opportunity to share both with the men and with the women. And um, I, I would never get those opportunities if I was just me. It, it's my role as Deputy Mayor or as Councillor that opens those doors. You know, I get to open a lot of church events and I kind of figure that if it's a church event that I can speak about Jesus and that's exactly what I do. So I, I love it. I love that it opens that door for me and enables me to share my faith. Well, let's pray that those seeds that are sown will uh, bear much fruit. I, uh, I know I've been speaking to a lot of people recently who've uh, uh, you know, heard about Muslims having dreams of Jesus. Yeah, and, uh, 
heard that on your radio station as well. Mm. Yeah, so uh, let, let's hope and pray that there'll be a, a mighty move of God there in Blacktown. And uh, I know that um, you're, you've got such a passion as a lay preacher. You're involved. Tell us about the church you're involved with as well. I'm involved in a very interesting church. I, I go to a Filipino church. Um, I would say 99.9% of the time I'm the only Anglo there. Everybody else is Filipino. But fortunately, the Filipino young people haven't learned Tagalog, so everything's in English, which is really good for me. And if they do, if anyone goes into Tagalog, you know, half a dozen people will turn to tell me what they've said. So it, it's an amazing church. It's called God is Good Mission Church, and that's what it is. Our pastors don't take a pay from the church. Everything goes into mission. They do um, medical missions to the Philippines. They run um, schools schools, and they run, um, well, not run, but they help with a couple of orphanages. In the Philippines, the kids work from a very young age if it's a poor area. And so my church will send, you know, um, material so they can go to school and will finance these kids. We finance the kids of an entire village so that they could all go to school and not have to work. And when the people from my church go on holiday, my church gives them $500 and they will run a feeding program wherever they go or um, one of them bought $500 worth of like $1 um, thongs, slip-ons, and took them because the kids in some of the areas don't even have anything on their feet at all. So I love being part of it. It's one of those churches that when they always have like a welcome time but I reckon ours is the longest welcome time of any church I've ever been to because they just <laughs> hug you and kiss you. and You know, everybody just has this amazing thing. And I remember the first time I went, I thought, oh, yeah, you know, that's because I'm new. Now, you wait till next week. Being very cynical. And, um, and I've been there for about 12 years, and every week is exactly the same. <laughs> Isn't that great? And when I, when I have um, elections, they come out and help me on polling booths and they're just wonderful. It's a wonderful group of people. This is how the world will know we are his disciples if we have love for one another, hey? Very much so. And as I said, my, my pastor is just amazing. He doesn't take an income from the church because he, he doesn't believe that he should. He's a computer programmer, so he can make a living doing that. So he doesn't feel that he should take money from the church so that more money can go into really evangelising and you know, helping those that are poor. Well, it is inspiring to hear your story today. And uh, we've been chatting with Jacqueline Donaldson, the Deputy Mayor of Blacktown City. And uh, it is uh, wonderful to know that uh, you're a a Vision Radio listener and a supporter. And uh, our prayers and support are with you as well. Thank you for your time today. (laughs) Thank you. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.